0: All right, say Good morning, good morning, let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors, thank our commentator sponsors for the month of Av. Paul and Kathy Pollack for dedicating the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in honor of their grandchildren. Our Dafyomi and Eschosa Varefuah Shlema for Yehuda Ben Michal. Our week of learning sponsors, B'Yam and Fleischman. In memory of his father, Shmuel Yudel, Ben Binyamin Yaakov, and Selma Wolf, with incredible hakaras Sato for the Rafu of her daughter, Dr. Carrie Davis. We thank all of our sponsors for their generosity. And so with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Really, uh, we've had a couple of incredible daf in over, the last, in over the last number of days. So we are going to continue in Meritza Hashem. Today's daf is known as Alif 51. We are picking up the Hashem on Daf Nuna We have a lot to do today uh, at the Tashma. So, actually, we began this, but let's let's pick up with this sugi again, as this is kind of where we left off. About 21 lines up from the bottom. So, Tashma. The Imar says as follows. So, j- just to orient ourselves a little bit, one of the interesting things that we established from the Mishnah is that Halacha during the, during the lifetime of the father, there may not be an obligation for support. Again, we spoke about that. That was our extensive suge yesterday. What's the nature of one's halachic obligation to support one's children? Interestingly enough, what became abundantly clear is after the death of the father, uh, the estate has an obligation to go ahead and support the daughters. What we're now going to discuss in a little bit greater depth is halacha la ma'isa, is the obligation for support only from real property, what we call nechosen sheish lamachrayis, real property, or even from metaltolin, even from movable property? So what we ended off with yesterday is the statement of Rabbi Yitzchak bar Yosef. And Rabbi Yitzchak bar Yosef said in the Aliyah, in the Attic, they went ahead and they instituted that daughters should be supported from that was the That was the institution. So Tashma. so we say with that, we're going to show some additional examples of this. So Tashmah, in the hands of Rabbi Banoi, the brother of Rabbi Ruda bar Abba, so the Gemara says, di yasmi. he was in possession. He was like the executor of the estates. He had of Yisomin, of orphans. Asul le'kamei Shmuel, so ultimately, again, the daughters, the, daughters of the, the daughters came before Shmuel, and Shmuel said, Amalei, zil zun, go ahead and support the daughters from the Metaltolin. Shmuel so we'll say here you have a case where all the estate has is movable property, and Shmuel is ordering the estate to support the daughters. So this is a pretty good raya that shows that daughters are supported not just from real property, but even from movable property. My love, la Rav Yitzhak Bar Yosef, is what, was he not ordering ultimately again support in accordance with Rav Yitzhak by Yosef, again, whose statement we just mentioned before, to which the Gimara says, Lo, hassam the Parnassa, So actually, we'll say it's not for Mazonos, it's for Parnosa. What does Parnosa mean? We saw this in yesterday's DAF. Parnassa ultimately again refers to Nidunya. Refers to dowry. That ultimately again he wasn't when it comes to Mizoros, it could be Mizoros doesn't come from the Talpalin, but for the Nadin for the for the dowry, that would come from movable property as well. Well the Givar says Shmuel le shamin bav. Shmuel's of the appearan said that for parnasa again we saw this in yesterday's daft. Parnosa again means for dowry property. Ultimately again we we assess what the father would have given if the father was alive. Incredible. So the says, have another example, another story. Have I just want to point out, so then, therefore it's not conclusive yet. We don't, we don't really know. We know for sure that daughters are given mizonos from, from real property. What we don't yet know is what daughters get from movable property. So the goes back right there. Have another Vidun Daini ben an episode like this came up in Erdo, meaning again that all the estate had was, was movable property. And ultimately again, Vidun Daini ben and the judges of Erdo judged accordingly and ordered the daughters to be supported from movable property. Bepompadisa, a similar episode happened in Pompadisa, the Agvi Ravkana Barbizna. and again Ravkana Barbizna collected Metaltolin to support the daughters. Support the daughters, Amudur Rav Nachman, Zilu ahaju. Rav Nachman said, you better give back that Metalkalin. Ve'ilu, and if you don't restore the metalkalim back to the estate, Magvina l'chul la'apundaychu minaychu, I'm going to collect, or going to seize your mansion from you. In other words, he was threatening him that if you don't return the assets to the estate, ultimately, again, I'm going to seize your assets to go ahead and make the estate whole. Okay. Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi, several and metalkalim. Asi felt that girls should be supported, daughters should be supported from the top line of the estate. Amr Luhu, Rabbi Yaakov Bar'idi. Bar'idi said to him, Something that Rabbi Yochanan and Rish themselves did not go ahead and pass him. In other words, they didn't pass him that girls can be supported from, from Metallica. And you're going to pass that girls are supposed supported from Metallica. Rabbi Elazer suffered amazing, metallic Metallica. Rabbi Elazer also felt that daughters should be supported from Metallica. Amar so the father, Rabbi Shimon Ben el Yochim, Rabbi Shimon el Yochim said, Rabbi, Yodea Ani, I'm sorry, Yodaya Ani, Ani She'in Midas hadin Ata Osa, Ela Midas So this is very interesting. Rabbi Lozer wanted to order that daughters be supported from movable property. So what happened, this is quite fascinating, So al Yotam said to him, Rabbi, I know that when you order the daughters to be supported from the you're not saying that as the Din, right? Rather, you're saying that ultimately, again, as the Midas Harachamim. But here's the problem. El Hashem V'Yikbu'u The Talmidim will see what you do, and the Tamidim aren't going to realize that what you're doing is exercising compassion. They're going to assume that what? What you're executing is halacha. And they will establish the halakha for future generations that girls are supported from mentality. I will say, what, what, a, what a profound musr. That ultimately, again, sometimes, you see, what we do is we look at our actions, and we kind of say, as long as the action is correct, then I could do it. Which, which is certainly not a bad metric to, to gauge one's actions by but there's another element that what we do, our children see what we do, our friends see, what we do, our community sees, and so sometimes, even if I know I know it's 100% correct but if the action itself could look a different way, and people could interpret it a different way then halacha, they could learn from it and potentially learn an erroneous lesson it's a a heightened level of actional self-awareness where a person has to be aware, not just am I do, am, am what I'm doing is correct, but l'maysa, but lamaisa is what I'm doing up here, does it present in the way I need it to present? And here's like a perfect example of this. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar felt in this case, and we don't, we don't know the background to this case, but he felt in this case, the daughters should be supported from a Taltolin, and comes along with Shem al-Yokim and says to him, Rabbi, that you, you're you're correct. I understand what you're doing, but just understand everyone's going to see what you're doing, and they're going to interpret your actions in a certain way. <laughs> the way they're going to interpret your actions is this is halacha l'maisa, and suddenly, suddenly, what you are doing as rachmanus becomes codified as di And that's a problem. I so say it's incredible. <laughs> sometimes you think about like because it, we often think, as long, as long as I know that, as long as I know that the action is correct, that's good. And by the way, what, what, what a level to get to, that all of my actions are good, all of my actions. You know, I, I went to pay a visit yesterday to Nathan Adler from the shir, sitting Shura for his father, and he reminded me, he reminded me of something we said in Shura a couple of weeks ago, because he was saying about his father's father, how after 120, the goal is to be able to when Bezdin Shalmala goes through the way you lived your life, to live a life that doesn't require any rashiantosis. Right? If Baisdin in asks me about something, and I say, Oh yeah, I did this, but 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 da-da-da-da and like this and I'm explaining it rishas and chakiras and lumdas and this, I don't want I don't want that. No, no one no one wants to live a life like that that requires rashiantosis. What I do and how I live should be able to stand on its own. And again, this is another just example of this. That Lamaisa, it's not enough just to do what's right, but we have to make sure that our actions look right and convey the correct messages in the eyes of others as well. Yosef. There was a guy who came before Rav Yosef, Amr Lu, Havu La Mitamra. I'm sorry, and then there was a girl. Uh, so there was there were orphans. It's all a case of girl orphans, right? Hahu daughters. Hahu das Rav Yosef. Amar the who? la mitamri al budja. So Yosef ordered go ahead and support her from the dates da al budja. Now, we'll say what's budja? Rashi says over here in the about uh, five lines after the bottom. Budja machatsalos shenos nos tachas had the kolin kishagodrin hatmorin these are the mats, right after they go ahead and they harvest the dates from the tree, these are the mats, these are the mats that they put the dates on like to dry out a little bit. So, so, so here you have the situation of Rav Yosef ordering that the daughters be supported from these dates. we will say once again, these dates are what? They're metaltolim, they're movable property. So the Gemara says, Abaye, ilu balchov hava, so tell me, so Abai said to him, tell me, if it was a creditor who was collecting, would you allow a creditor to collect from such things? He will say, in general, a creditor, a creditor who, who generally has a lot of power in halacha, really only has the ability to collect nechasa mishubad, in real property. A creditor doesn't usually have the ability to collect from movable property. So it says Abai Rav you're essentially giving the daughters greater power than a creditor, which is just interesting, to which the Gemara says, So, So, No, 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 I don't literally mean dates that are on the mats, rather, I mean dates that are fit for the mats, which means what? They're ripe enough to come off, but where are they? Where are they? They're still on the tree. So, because they're still on the tree, therefore what? The Therefore, they're considered to be real property, that's why the girls can be supported from that. Says the Gemara Tapa Aleph, Sof Sof, Kala Omei Ligzos Kigazos Dumi. Ayabra Bo said, as a concept in Halacha, that anything that is fit to be harvested is as if it's harvested already. Gazos literally means or shorn. This goes to refer the paradigmatic example actually of it is wool on a sheep. But again, for our purposes, anything that is attached but is absolutely fit to be removed is considered halachically as if it's removed. So therefore, so if you have dates that are ready to be put on the mat, just because they are still actually attached to the tree does not necessarily make them To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. The Tzricha kula Rav Yosef says, no, no, no. I'm talking about dates that still need the tree. So ultimately, it turns out that Rav Yosef was more using a, a, an expression than a, more than a description. So essentially what he was saying was you could support the you could support the daughters from the dates that are on the tree. Which dates that are on the tree? The dates that still need the tree. So whether it's they're not fully mature, they still need the tree, Lameis again, that's muhubar, and therefore it's saying that they could collect from the Incredible. Hahu Yasum Yasoma, the Asulukumid We'll say Nun Alif amad Alif, second line down from the top, fifty-one A. So there was Yasaman al-Yasoma who came before Rabbah. Okay, remember why they come before Ravah? They want to be supported from the estate, from their father's estate. So, what's that? So, Amr the Hu Halu the Yasom Mishlo Go ahead and give the Yasom Mizonos and give him extra for his sister. Amr the Ravah, Vaha Marhu the Amr, Nimitalt, Nimikar Koy Vilome Mital, Bain the Mizone, Bain the Ksuba, bin the Parnasa. She said this apparently was the case once again. Where the estate had no real property, but rather again it was an estate comprised of movable property. So here you have so here you have Rava saying give Mizonos to the son and give him extra Mizonos for his sister. So once again, the Rabanan asked Rava, Rava, you're the one who passing that support in addition to other items only comes from real property, not from movable property, and yet here you're saying, give the girl mazonus on movable property. So which the gemara says, Amr ilu milo yahavin Tell me if the son were to come and he were to say he needed domestic help, he needed domestic help in the house, would we not provide him with that, with funds for that, from the estate? All the more so, in this case, where there's two elements. In other words, we will say, apparently in this case, the brother and the sister were living together. The sister was responsible for a lot of the domestic responsibilities. So, Abayi, sorry, Rabbi felt that halokha l'maysa. That's why, if you notice, by the way, the, the way he phrases this is interesting. He doesn't say, give the son and the daughter masonos. Rather, what does he say? Give the son Mazonos and give him extra for his sister. So what we're doing is we're giving the son an extra allotment. Why? Because the way we could view the daughter in this type of situation is she's aiding the she's aiding the brother. Had the brother said come to us and said, I need help in the house, would we not have given him extra funds? while well, his sister is providing that role. And therefore, halakhal Myssa, hallo give her the Mizonos else that. So it's interesting, it was a different way of diverting Mizonos to her without having to violate the precept that mazonos for a daughter doesn't come from a talcalan. Very interesting. So, so now we're going to see that in reality, well, we've seen this already up until this point, this is a machlokas. This is a machlokas. In other words, here's what we know and here's what everybody agrees with. When it comes to movable, pro- I'm sorry, real property, land, everyone agrees that that could be used for the support of a daughter. So here comes along, Rebbe. And what does Rebbe say? So we'll say the phrase "nechasin sheish means land, real property. The shein or movable property. isha, we go ahead and we'll extract it to support the wife, ulabanos, and for daughters, divrei Rebbe. So Rebbe holds. That movable property, real property, everything could be used for mizonos. Okay, Rishon Alazar Omar Rishon Alazar says no. So, okay, so Rishon Alazar's position is a bit more is a bit more. not, Well, you'll see. He just includes more cases. So look okay. what he writes. So Rishon Alazar okay. says, so, okay. "If you have a real property, land, so motziyan lebanos min you could extract from the sons for the daughters. Because we also remember again, if the father died, sons inherit the land. So the idea of extraction means we would go ahead and take from the Yerusha in order to provide mizonos. So mosim lebanos min habanim, u lebanos min habanos, four daughters from daughters, u lebanim min habanim, and for sons from sons, u lebanim min habanos, and from sons from daughters. So we're to say, Whoever is in control of the assets, whoever is in actual, whoever, whoever, however, whoever, has inherited the actual land, we would extract from that inheritance in order to provide mezonos for all of the children. That's with real property. So I'm going to say, so ultimately, again, this is all talking about where also there is enough property. There's enough property. But I will say, we would not go ahead and extract from the sons. Sorry, from the daughters for the sons when there's only a small amount of property. So we've actually seen this before, that if there is a small amount even of real property and only enough to support the daughters, either the sons can inherit to support the daughters, that property will go to support for the daughters. So the Margo is right. What happens if you have movable property? What is the movable property? So lebanim min habanim, when it comes to movable property, so ultimately, again, we'll extract from sons for sons, right? And I will say, by the way, when we talk about extracting lebanim min habanim, Rashi points out over here is that let's say you have sons, some sons who are kitanim and some, some sons who are gidolim. We'll extract from the sons who are gidolim for the benefit of the sons who are kitanim. Okay, so min habanim. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, nechasin min nechasin, nechasin, nechasin sheva nachais. Motziyim lebanim min habanim will track from the sons for the sons. So again, that's ketan, that's from the gidolim for the ketanim. banos min habbanos, and from daughters for other daughters. Ulebanim min habanos and for sons from daughters. Avalo lebanos min habanim. What won't we do? We won't extract pr- movable property from sons for the support of the daughter. So, we'll say, what this boils down to is Fundamental Machlokis Rebbe and Reb Shimon Ben Elazar are daughters supported from movable property. Rebbe says yes. Rabb Shimon Ben Elazar says no. Says no. And then, even though normally we pass in. That the halacha follows Rebbe Mechaber that when Rebbe has a machlokas with someone, the machlokas always follows Rebbe. Halacha Here I both say again that, that that rule doesn't apply, and in this case, interestingly enough, the halacha is going to follow bshem and alazer. The Amar Rava Hilchosah mi mekarcoi velomim metalitely pein leksuva and I both say that is how he pasquin halacha said, the Gemara says. And ultimately again when it comes when it comes to these obligations whether the obligation is ksuva of a wife mizonos or parnosa remember again mizonos means the support of daughters Parnosa means medunya dowry all of that only comes from all that only comes from the karka from real property not from movable property I both say I'll tell you something interesting the way the Shulchan Arach paskins is as follows, which is a quite a fascinating psalm. Shulchan Arach says that indeed, that is the Din D'araisa. The Din D'araisa is that Halach HaLam Aysa, Allah all of these obligations, Ksuva, Mizonos, Parnassah, only collectible from your property. But, Chazal were metaking, Chazal instituted, that ultimately, again, all of these obligations are collectible from movable property as well. And I will say, that's the position of Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef that we saw in yesterday's daf. Ba'aliyah. So I will say, Ba'aliyah, Aliyah is not Takanas Usha. But Aliyah also meant another gathering of the sages in which they instituted that a girl is supported. Again, whatever that level of support is, whether it's Mzonos, Paranasa, or Ksubasisha, all of that comes from Metalanza. So we'll say that is how the Shukumarak Paskins. Midaraisa, only from real property, midrabanan, even from Metaltalon. Incredible. Incredible. So we'll say that's the end of that suy, your New Mishnah. Fascinating Mishnah ahead of us now. Low cost of so we've actually alluded to this. Many times throughout our journey through ksuvis, and now we're going to see it actually inside. Lokas of laksuvah. I will say, let's say, halokha lemaysa, halokha lemaysa, a husband did not write a for his wife. He didn't write one. So what does the Mishnah say? So I will say, the Mishnah paskins, even if you don't write a ksuvah, a husband is obligated for ksubah. for a besula two hundred zos. for a for a B'ula, for a second marriage one hundred zuz. Why? Because it is a t'nai basin. I was say t'nai basin means this is something that is in effect whether whether you agree to it or not. It does not require your compliance. It is a halachic obligation that is immediately triggered upon marriage. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says below cause of law actually no, not yet, sorry. So, we'll say, so that this, this salah. We've seen this right we'll say, Actually, we've seen it referenced that there were some communities where they didn't write suvas. They, they, just, they just never recorded a formal document. And even in the absence of a formal document, that halakhic obligation was still present. So the Gemara goes right there. So we'll say, let's say a husband goes in and writes a k'suva, and he does something interesting. What he does is he identifies a field that is her k'suva payment. By the way, you could do that, even though in general, without, if you don't specify property, the k'suva lien devolves upon everything and anything a husband does and will ever own. Halachon if you identify a piece of property, and she agrees to have the lien, the k'suva lien devolve upon, one particular piece of property that works as well. So, la Let's say he identifies for her a piece of property that's worth a hundred, a hundred money. Even though, again, what her ksuva is really worth two hundred. So, we'll say? So, remember again. Let's say he identifies the field. So, Ruben's marrying Rachel. It's a first marriage. Her ksuva is worth two hundred los. He identifies for her, for a Suva payment, a field that is worth 100 Zos. 100 Zos. And he does not write anything about additional properties being encumbered to her. Halacha l'maysa. Chayif. His property is still encumbered to her. Why? Shehut nai because they will say it is a tenai base, which I will say is such a fascinating idea. So there is a halachic obligation that is triggered upon marriage, whether you agree to it or not. So it's very nice that you identified, Reuben identified for his wife a field that's worth 100 Zuz. <clears throat> only one little technical issue, which is what? Which is what? That's only half of the ksuba payment, half of the ksuba obligation. No problem. The rest of his estate is encumbered to go ahead and cover the rest of that ksuba payment. So the Gemara says, Good. Low of law, im tishtabai. So we'll say other examples of this. Low of law, im tishtabai, So we'll say, in general, in the it, it was fascinating to see what was written in exuva. In exuva, in it was also written about the fact that a husband will redeem his wife. If you're taken captive, I'll redeem you. Let's say he conveniently left that out of exuva, right? I forgot. I forgot. A lot going on in the Kasana, Right? So right, I forgot to include that phrase. I will say, and she's taken captive. He still has the obligation to go ahead and redeem her. The, the, actually, the phrase was <laughs> The actual, the phrase was the phrase was if you are taken captive I will redeem you and you will be returned as my wife. Now, of course, if it's a coin, if it's a coin, if his wife is taken captive, as we've established as an assumption, when a woman is taken captive, she's violated. The wife of a coin, if she's violated, is a surah to her husband. So, by Kohanim, what they would write is, If you're taken captive, I'll redeem you. And I'll return you back to your father's home. Which, in other words, he was guaranteeing her that I'll redeem you, but obviously we can't remain married anymore. I'll make sure that you get back to your father's home. So i will say, even if you omitted these phrases, Chayiv, shoot Tenai Beisdin. Same idea. Even if you omitted the phrase, same if you omitted the, it doesn't matter. i will say, once something is a Tenai that obligation exists, even if you do not personally obligate yourself to it. Nishvis, therefore again, if she's taken captive, Chayiv, Ultimately, again, a husband is obligated to redeem his wife. This is one of the Tenai one of the Suva. Ksuva. Listen to this. Amar, interesting, right, let's say wife is, right, Rube is married to Rachel, and Rachel is taken captive, and Ruby says, you know what, I've got a lot going on, here, here, here's the deal, here's your get, and here's your k'suva, I'm not a bad guy, I wouldn't Chasson, leave you without anything, right, here, here, here's your k'suva, there's more than enough money to go ahead and redeem yourself, right, redeem yourself, and a, little, a, little, a little something extra for you, right, so let's say he leaves her that, that doesn't work he's not allowed to do that he's not allowed to do that halakhah l'maisa eino rashai listen to this lok sah hayl raposa if if rahab takes ill ruvin is obligated to get her to get her medical help to get her 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 to a healer amar haray gitok subasa tirapesat smol rashai I will say, if he says, here is your get and here is your ksuba. So essentially, what he's doing is he's divorcing her and giving her a, po- a pocket of money, and there's enough money there to take care of whatever her medical needs are, that he's permitted to do. It's interesting. But I will say, if you take a quick look at Rashi, Rashi says, Over chayv It's very interesting. We'll discuss this in greater depth, but Rashi explains the obligation that a husband has to go ahead and take care of his wife who is ill is the same concept as providing her mizonos. And therefore, now it makes a bit more sense. Therefore, again, the same way that a husband could say, listen, I don't want to support you anymore. So here's your get, here's your k'suva, and okay, we're done. So since, since rufua seems to be a derivative of mizonos, technically speaking, if halacha says she takes ill, he has the ability to say, here's your get, here's your k'suva, and take care of your own medical bills. Okay, well, again, we'll, we'll go into this more. So, we'll say Gemara, seven lines up from the bottom. Uh, so, yeah, so what, first wide line, money. Who's the opinion of our Mishnah? Rabbi Meir he de'amar kalapoches lebesulah mi'masayon la'amona mi'amara harizu bi'ilas nos. So, we'll say this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir because Rabbi Meir says that essentially, if you go ahead and you try to make a k'suva for a besulah less than two hundred zus, or a k'suva for an amona. Amona, by the way, means just second marriage, less than a mona. This is a be'ilas znos. Ultimately, and I is saying that halacha le'maisa, Allah le'maisa, it's as if there is no marriage, which is another way of saying that Allah le'maisa you cannot diminish the amount of a k'suva. K'suvah is a set amount, is a t'nai based in, and even if you try to change it, it doesn't make a difference. The the amount is locked in by a t'nai based in. because if you think the Mishnah is right, and therefore R'Avi it seems to be the opinion reflected in the Mishnah. Because if you think it's Rabbi Yehudah, Rabbi Yehudah says, Ha-Amar, Ha-Amar, Ratsa kosev le-bisul l'shtar shalmasayim, his kabli hiskabli Mimcha, Mana, U'la amana, Mana v'hi his hiskabli mimeich, chamishim Zuz. So I said, say, listen to this. So this is actually quite interesting. Rabbi Yehudah holds that, no, you could forgive part of a ksuval mantle. As Rabbi said, say, let's say Reuben's mangrokel. And let's say Ruben says, Listen, Rachel, I love you very much. I'm strapped for cash. I want to give you a ksuba that's worth 100 Zos. So, what could Rachel do? Rachel could say, Rachel could say, Rachel could say that Ruben writes a ksuba for, for 200 Zos. And Rachel essentially says, I've received 100 Zos of my ksuba. She writes a receipt for 100 Zos. And I will say, What does it mean when she writes a receipt for 100 Zos? What is she effectively doing? What is she doing? She's forgiving half of the ksuba. So Rabbi Huda holds that a wife could forgive half of her k'suva. It's interesting. Rabbi Meir holds you, you, a k'suva is unforgivable because k'suva is k'suva as much as it's money owed to Rachel, so to speak. It's not Rachel's money to decide what to do with. Yet, obviously, upon death or divorce, it becomes her money; she can do whatever she wants with it. But Lamaisa, when you get married, that money that money is secured by chazal. Rabbi Meir says, even if you try to tamper with the amount, it doesn't make a difference. Halachah l'ma'isa: first marriage, two hundred zuz; second marriage, one hundred zuz. That's what it is. It's an immutable amount. Rabbi Yehuda, on the other hand, holds that halachah. said, no, you can play around with k'suba amounts. In other words, as long as the wife is willing and she's okay for giving an amount, that's absolutely fine. So clearly, our Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Meir and not Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. Ema but look at the end of the Mishnah. So I will say yet what was the second part of the Mishnah? Let's say the husband identifies a field for his wife's ksuba. So Rubin writes to Rachel, this field is for your khsuba, only one problem. The field is only worth hundred sus. And he did not write that the rest of my property is collateralized for your ksuva, even though he forgot to write it, so to speak. Hallo the rest of his property is collateralized. To which the Gemara says, Asan Rabbi Huda." That reflects the view of Rabbi Huda. Because what does Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda says, "The Amar Achrayus tos Soferu." Hu. Rabbi says, this is actually quite fascinating. Rabbi Huda says that in general, when you lend money, when you lend money, we assume that we assume that by definition there is always a lien against the debtor's estate. And if for some reason there's no lien mentioned in the document, we ascribe that to scribal error. That was to- sofer. That was tausopher. To- that that was not knowingly left. out. That, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Shavu say the second part of the Mishnah seems to reflect this idea that if Reuven goes at and says Rachel, here's a field that's worth hundred zuz for your k'suva, but a is worth two hundred zuz, and he didn't write that the rest of his field, the rest of his property is collateralized. We look at that omission as a scribal error, 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 So we'll say, that reflects Rabbi Huda. So what's going on over here? The Gemara says he's going to say, Dear Rabbi Meir, uh, Dear Rabbi Meir, Amr akhrayis lav ta'o soferhu. But I'll say, see Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that when a document does not include akhrayis, does not include a lien, a collateralized claim, that you don't ascribe that to scribal error. What do you ascribe that to? What do, you, what do you attribute that to? They will say that not. Rabbi Meir says one second. There are transactions that don't come with liens that don't come. With, you can't say that every single absence of a lien in a document is scribal error. So Rabbi, so Rabbi Meir says no. That was the agreement of the parties. This time, interesting case. Rabbi will say. Let's say you find a loan document. This is not interesting shayla in general. Imagine you're walking on the street and you find a document that says "Ruvein lent Shimon ten thousand dollars. So I will say. What's the shaila? What's the shaila? What do you do with that document? Because listen, listen to this. You don't know who lost that document, right? Remember again, before the debt is paid, who holds the loan document? The creditor, the, the lender, right? Once it's paid, once it's paid, the borrower, because that, that's like, that's his show, that's his receipt. So we'll say, here's the shaila. Who should you return it to? Because if you return it to the wrong person, you run the risk of what? One possibility is you could deny the credit lender from getting repayment. Other possibility is you could allow the borrower to not repay. So what should you do with it? So lo So we'll say if the document has a lien clause in it, you should not return it. Don't return it to anyone. Shed Baysdin man, because this is a document that Bazin could extract money based on. If the document does not have a lien, you could return it, why? So essentially, the says, listen, if it's a document that doesn't have a lien, it's not such a powerful document, therefore you could return it. Who you return it to is a different discussion. But if it's a document that doesn't, we'll say, what's the point? The point that we're recording to Rabbi Mayer is in Rabbi Meir's worldview, there are some transactions that have a lien, and some transactions that don't have a lien. That's the point. However, the Cham say, Echazé, ve lo The Cham say, no, 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 don't return the document no matter what. No matter what. Why? Shebezin nefaneh. Because they will say, the hold, every single transaction comes with a lien. And even if the lien is not mentioned in the document, we ascribe the absence of the lien to what? Scribal error. To sofer. To sofer. So again, without getting into the details over here, the point is, the point is, Rabbi Meir holds, Rabbi Meir holds, that ultimately, and sometimes when there's no lien in a document, that's not Ta'us sofer. That could be the agreement of the parties. So I'm going to say, here's our problem. Here's our problem. Reisha Rabbi Meir, Sefer Rabbi Huda. So I'm going to say, what it sounds like is, the beginning of our Mishnah, the beginning of our Mishnah, reflects the view of Rabbi Meir, reflects the view of Rabbi Meir. Ultimately, guess, Rabbi Meir said, that Ksuva is a tonight based in, and if you try to tamper with the amounts, your tempering is ineffective because the amounts are locked in. That was Rabbi Meir. That was your mayor. So the first part of the Mishnah is Rabbi Meir. And then it sounds like the second part of the Mishnah, which was the case ultimately again where the husband goes ahead and identifies a piece of property. He says, here, this property worth 100 Zuz is your Ksuva. And he failed to go ahead and write any lien in the Ksuva that we say the lien is still there. That goes according to That goes according to Rabbi Huda. So we'll say, you tell me now we have a Mishnah that goes the reach like Rabbi Meir the Sefer Rabbi Judah. So in general we don't like that. We don't like that. Tuvishim says the cooler Rabbi Meir. Maybe the entire Mishnah is Rabbi Meir. The shiny that Rabbi Meir makes Ksuva darit the So I we'll say maybe Rabbi Meir makes just a distinction between Ksuva and regular staros. Maybe by regular staros Rabbi Meir says you can include a lean or you could exclude a lean. Maybe by he agrees, there's always a lien. There's always a lien by ksuva. And therefore, even if you don't write the lien in the document, the lien itself still exists. Omishainile, <laughs> but as we may I make a distinction between ksuvas and other documents, but and we learn <laughs> there are five, five people or five situations where we, where we cut from the and we means unencumbered property any common property and what are they haylohein peros produce shevach peros any type of improvement to produce mikabel alav Lozun as lozon as ben Ishton, ubas Ishton, someone who goes ahead and accepts upon himself to support the son of his wife or the daughter of his wife the get chov shein bo or a loan document that doesn't have that doesn't have a lien in it and a k'suva of a woman that doesn't have any type of akhrayas written into it. So we'll say, who is the opinion who says that akhrayas, in other words, failure to include a lean clause is, is, not, a, is, not, is not attributed to scribal error. So and yet it still includes Ksuvas isha, which indicates to us The Rabbi Meir does not make a distinction between Ksuva and other documents. Okay, see, the truth is, you're right. We like a Mishnah to be consistent. And the truth is, the Mishnah could either be consistently Rabbi Meir or consistently Rabbi Huda. How so? It could very well be hasam Kosvala Hiskabalti. There, we in the case that we quoted before, which is the Mishnah of it could be that the case we're talking about over here is where the wife wrote back said, We're going to talk about this case in a couple of days from now, actually. But there's this interesting case where the husband writes a ksuva for a full amount. We actually alluded to this. And then the wife goes ahead and writes a shtar back and says, I received. So he writes a ksuva for 200 zos. She writes a document back that says, I received 100 zos. I received 100 zos. Now, she didn't receive 100 zos. What is she doing when she writes, I received a hundred Jesus? What is she doing? She's forgiving some chilek of the amount. So we're we'll say, so, Perhaps even according to Rabbi Huda, if she wrote his kabalti, maybe that works. Maybe that works. According to Rabbi Meir, it could be, what does he mean when he says that he's Chayiv, that he's Chayiv, maybe he's Chayiv from unencumbered property. Okay, so say, So, essentially what the Gemara went ahead and showed is, technically speaking, technically speaking, although a bit under duress, you can go ahead and set up the Mishnah like Rabbi Yudu or like Rabbi Meir. But what what comes out for us is something very important over here. We Paskin like Rabbi Meir, right? which is clear in the Mishnah, which is, is ksuva is a T'nai Beisden. Ksuva is a T'nai Beisden. Which means what? That Halokha Lameisa, no matter what type, what type of shtick you try to pull with altering the amounts, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So whether you go ahead and you say, oh, I'm committing to you to a, to a basula to a hundred Zuz, or you identify a piece of property for here's your Ksuva, hundred Zuz, even if you fail to go ahead and write any type of lien, it doesn't make a difference. A k'suva is a k'suva is a k'suva. Vaharaya. Even if you fail to write a document altogether and you make no mention of k'suva at all, that obligation remains. So he asking that a k'suva is a t'nai based in, the t'nai based in says a gets 200 zos, and a amana or second marriage gets 100 zos. You recorded it, you didn't record it. You identify property, didn't identify property. It doesn't make a difference. That is the amount that you are on the hook for because halokha l'mayisa is a nine days. Incredible. Okay. Low cost of law. So it <laughs> says, remember again, we learned that halokha l'mayisa, even if the husband in the ksubah did not write about his obligation to go ahead and redeem his wife. So even if he did not write in the ksubah, if you're taken captive, I will redeem you. Nevertheless, Halokha Lama Yisroh, Halokha Lama Yisroh, to redeem her. So says the Gimmar, interesting case, Umar Avodah Shmuel, Eishas Yisroh sur la But it's actually quite a fascinating statement. Avodah, Father Shmuel said, if the wife of Esau, Red Ruven, is married to Rachel, Rachel's take, Rachel was violated. Halokha Lama so Avodah says, she is a surah to Ruven. What's the pshat? Chayshinon, Shema Tchilasa Ba'ones, Vesopha we're concerned that maybe what began as an act against her will perhaps somehow became consensual over the course of the act. Okay? So the Gemara says, So Rav ve'zakasha," really? So again, what are we in a Afarkineh, If you're taken captive, I'll redeem you. And I'll return you as my wife. Rabbos said, implicit in the if you're taken captive is what? that Reuben understands that during captivity captors often violated their captives so Reuben is saying if you're taken captive and violated i will redeem you and remain married to you so what do you see from here that even if a woman is violated she remains permitted to her husband Shabbasay this would seem to refute avodishmuel so Ishtik avodishmuel was silent he didn't know how to answer this kari rav Ale. So, Rav said about Avua the Sarim the Kaf Yasimu So, we'll say the Pasuk and Eo, literally the, the Sarim, the princes, the princes were out of us for words, their hand they put over their mouth. Which we'll say it sounds like a little bit of like a Shtach, right? So, Rav was saying to Avua I guess you've got like a mic drop, right? You have nothing to say, nothing to say. So, So, by the way, what could Avua the have answered? Right? So ultimately, again, it's not necessarily a rayah. There's two different cases. Avu Adishmo was talking about a case of a woman violated, but not necessarily a captivity. It's possible that Chazal relaxed their standards for a captive. For a captive, so maybe the case of a woman who's violated, in a you have to be concerned about what we call, but maybe in the case of a captive, Chazal would just make law. So i will say, but according, to, but according to Avod, it's at first wide line. What is the case of Ones? Ultimately, where a woman would remain permitted to her husband. <coughs> where Edom said she was crying out from the beginning of the act until the end of the act. In other words, if she was clearly crying out, in other words, where Edom say that we saw, we saw the event, we saw the event, and we clearly saw that it was against her will from beginning to end. Oplega the Rava and I was say this this argues on Rava Damarava Koshet Khilasava on herself reason I feel he Omarani Khuli Khuli shema bennis kaqla hisa kharta mutaras I was saying this is incredible Ultimately and this argues on Rava Rava holds that even in a case of Khilasava onis right with self even in a case where the act began against her will and then in the end she was compliant and Rav Rav gives an exaggerated example. Let's say Rav is being violated, and then again, and then again, people try to remove the violator, and she says, no, it's okay, leave him, leave him, right, leave him, right, he seems like a really nice guy, right, right, Le- leave him, right, leave him. Even in that case, she is still permitted to her husband. Why? It's actually incredible. So the says, my time of al because just now, Yitzhah Abusham literally means maybe the Sahara has just taken over. That that, that Lamaisa, I'll say Lamaisa, Maybe something's happened over here, and for some reason something snapped inside of her. But Lamaisa, we don't look at her compliance as real compliance. So I'll say this notion, by the way, of al Abushah is such an incredible idea that Yitzhah Abushah means that sometimes when a person gets taken over by the Yitzahara, I do the craziest. Things, the craziest things when the and Albusha I will say is such a profound statement because Albusha means like literally the Yitzhara is clothing me. So which is another way of saying, you know, the Gimmar second sota says, Personally, adam bo Person only sins if a spirit of, of foolishness enters into them. That that sometimes when the itzahara kicks in, we do we all know this from our own lives, we do the craziest things. Things that I would never imagine that I would do, things that I never imagined I'd be a part of, somehow again become real. So the so Rav says, even in some kind of, I want to point out, by the way, the notion of p'chilasa ba'onis itself, a itself seems like such a far-fetched case let's talk about a woman is being violated, a woman is being violated, right, the, even if you want to go with like, we'll talk about like a Stockholm Syndrome type, but even that's over a protracted period of time, right, the notion that a woman would be violated and over the course of the Biyah, it would transition from a, via, a, a violation, which also, I want to point out, remember again, when a man is violating a woman or trying to violate a woman, he's considered a rozeah. he's considered a murderer. you're allowed to kill him, right, you see a man trying to violate a woman, you're allowed to kill him in order to stop him from doing this, that, that's how we view the severity of violation. So the notion that then this would somehow morph into a willful act is a very strange thing. But even if somehow it happened, even if somehow it happened, we don't attribute this to an act of Arias. We don't attribute this ultimately again to an act of Ereval. At the end of the day, what do we attribute this to? Some, something snapped. Something snapped in her. Right? Yetzir al Something just fundamentally changed. So there was like, so that that's the, that's the discussion of us. I was say the Rava. Ultimately, I this is the, this is the rice that supports Rava. Rava, so I to say you know I'm, I'm going to pause here for just a moment because I just want to end off in the last two minutes that we have. So we're going to continue with this. So will the of in We're going to finish up in tomorrow's daf. Now saying, I'll just share with you something absolutely amazing. I start from the S'kver Rava. The Mishnah says. The Mishnah says. That one of the things a husband is obligated to do is to is to provide refuah to heal his wife, right? That that was the lashon of the k'suva. The k'suva says, right, that halacha la laksa chayiv the Ultimately, again, if halacha la she she falls ill, he's obligated to heal her. Shabbos, listen to this. The s'kver ever quotes the gemara masech Shabbos, and the gemara said, listen to this. Amr Shabbos if ne'akadish So ultimately, again, Shabbos said to Hashem. What does Shabbat say to Hashem? L'kulam yesh ben zug, veli ainli ben Every day of the week has a mate, and I have no mate. Right? After all, again, what's happening? Because remember, Sunday is Monday, right? Tuesday as Wednesday, Thursday as Friday. Shabbat says, who do I have? Right? Who, who do I have? Who do I have? And what is the Kaddish Hu say? Say, Kaddish Baruch Yisrael hi ben Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael is your, is your spouse, so to speak. Klal Yisrael is your spouse. The so say, listen to this. What did the Mishnah teach us? The Mishnah taught us that a husband is obligated to heal his wife. So Shabbos is the husband. Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael is the wife. Says the Therefore on Shabbos, what do we say? Shabbos himilizok or urafua kirova lovok. And will say, that's why on Shabbos, right? On Shabbos, by the Mishra what do we say? Shabbos, we don't call out because we don't supplicate on Shabbos. Or But refuah is going to come. Why is refuah going to come? Because Shabbos is the husband. Klaal is the wife. And the husband always has an obligation to heal his wife. And we'll say, when I saw this yesterday. It would be beautiful to say over an, any Arab Shabbos. But on Erev Shabbos, Erev, Rosh Chodesh, Elul. And we'll say, what an overwhelming and powerful Shabbos we have ahead of us. These two incredible Kedushos. The Kedush of Shabbos, the Kedush of Elul. And the Kedush of Rosh Chodesh. Not just any Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh, Elul, so much to talk about, but we're out of time for today. But I want to say, but just to understand the profundity of the day that lies ahead. Shabbos has the ability to heal you. Shabbos has the ability to take all of the scars and all of the wounds Shabbos has the ability to take all of the things that we suffer through during the week and we suffer through during life and to make us whole. Shabbos is the husband and the husband always has the obligation to provide refuah for his wife. All we have to do is to make ourselves receptive, to open ourselves up to the refuah of Shabbos Chodesh, to the refuah of Rosh Chodesh, to the refuah of Chodesh Evo, and Amir Tashem will have the ability to finally come (laughs) home. Good Shabbos. All right, have a great day, everyone. A good Shabbos and a good Chodesh.